Let's open our Bibles now to Genesis chapter 21. Genesis, the 21st chapter. We'll begin reading in verse 14. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water was spent in the bottle and she cast the child under one of the shrubs. And she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, as it were a bowshot. For she said, Let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him, and lift up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad, and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven, and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the bottle with water, and gave the lad drink. And God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness, and became an archer. And he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took him a wife out of the land of Egypt. We'll end our reading there. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we bow before you this evening, a thankful people. Lord, how thankful we are that out of your goodness and mercy to your people, that you've provided us yet another opportunity to meet together and to worship your matchless name. Father, I beg of you that you would send your spirit upon us and enable us to worship this evening, enable to worship Christ our Savior, Let his name be exalted. Let him be lifted up high above everything else. And Father, enable us to be in the dust at his feet, worshiping him. Oh, how we thank you for your mercy and your grace for your people. A people that you chose, that you redeemed, that you are calling out by your gospel, that you're keeping and feeding through your gospel, keeping by your grace. Father, we're so thankful. And pray. We beg of you that your continued mercy and grace would be upon this congregation and upon this whole area, Father, that you would use the preaching of the gospel to to call out your sheep, to call your people to, to come to Christ, believe him, rest in him. Father, we're thankful for the good report we've had on several who are still recovering in difficult places. Father, we pray you continue to be with them. Heal, heal your people. Deliver, Father, according to thy will. Above all, we pray that you would give them a special portion of your presence and comfort their heart with your presence, with your word, with your precious promises in the midst of the, the darkness and the trial. All these things we ask in that name which is above every name. For his glory and his praise we pray. Amen. I've titled our message this evening, Prayer That God Answers. The scripture tells us that our God is a God who answers prayer. And that ought to encourage us to pray. 
at all times about everything, shouldn't it? God promises that he answers prayer. And he tells us to pray. He tells us to pray at all times about everything. Now, we know this, that the Lord does not always give us everything we ask for when we pray. And there's a good reason for that, is we often ask for the wrong things with the, with the wrong motive for, for the wrong reasons. But our text give up, gives us four characteristics of a prayer that God answers. And it also interests me that these four things also describe the people that God saves. He saves people. He saves his people for the very same reasons he answers these, his, the prayers, these prayers. And the first thing is this. God hears the prayers of the outcast. Verse 14. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered into the wilderness of Beersheba. Now I know this was a traumatic morning. Don't you? I mean, it was a traumatic morning for Abraham to send them away. And it was a traumatic morning for Hagar and Ishmael to be sent out into the wilderness just with what bread they could carry in this bottle of water. You know, up until now, Hagar and Ishmael, they lived a pretty comfortable life in, in, in Abraham's home and the compound or whatever, however it was that they lived in tents, you know. But they lived under Abraham's hand, under his provision, under his protection, uh, you know, for, for many years, how many years it was, 15, 16 years. Ishmael lived as the only child. I mean, Abraham's only child, how he loved that boy. They lived pretty comfortable. And now, all of a sudden, in one morning, they're out alone, all by the, just the two of them, out there in the wilderness. Now, that had to be scary, didn't it? They're out there with, with very little provision. I mean, just whatever bread they're carrying, this, this, this bottle of water. And when they go out there in the wilderness, I mean, they're, they're not going to find anything to sustain them. There's, there's not plants and fruits and things growing out there, you know. And while they're out there, just two of them, they don't have protection from traveling thieves and bands of marauders and, you know, and all those things. I mean, it just had to be pretty scary to suddenly be an outcast like they were. But this is given to us as a picture. You know, nobody will ever cry out to the Lord until they find themselves as an outcast in the wilderness with no provision for themselves, no way to protect themselves from the wrath of God against their sin. You know, the only time it's recorded that, that Hagar cried or she cried unto the Lord was when she was an outcast. That's the only time it's recorded in Scripture. Same thing's true, you and me. I'm not picking on Hagar here because she's just the same as you and me. In chapter 16, remember Hagar fled from Sarah. Sarah was being so mean to her and she, she ran away from her and she was there crying. And the Lord found her all alone out there in the wilderness. There was a well of water and he, he found her there. There she was, an outcast. And now here she is again, an outcast. And she, she cries and, and the Lord hears her cry. And the reason for that is God hears the prayers. He hears the cries of people who are outcast. You know, when we find out that we're outcast, 
were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, but without God, without hope, without Christ in this world, we find out we're an outcast. That's when we'll cry to the Lord. And the Lord will hear that prayer because when we're an outcast, what we're crying for is mercy. We're crying for protection. And the Lord, he, we're not asking for, we're an outcast. We're, we can't plead for any merit of our own. I mean, we're an outcast. Everybody's kicked us out. We're an outcast. An outcast is not asking for merit. They're crying for mercy. And spiritually speaking, if, uh, if you've lived very long, you found yourself in the wilderness, haven't you? And we don't like it. We don't like that feeling like, you know, we're, we're in the wilderness where, you know, you can come to the service, you can be around folks and, and, uh, who are enjoying the, the message, enjoying the, the, the service, and you just feel like, dry and dead you're not getting anything from it you're you're all around it but you're in the wilderness spiritually you're in the wilderness it's, it's like a a time of winter for your soul that's what the, in song of solomon that's the way it's described as a time of winter we don't like that but you know when you're an outcast out there in the wilderness that's typically where you find a message from god for your soul we find a message from God for our soul when we're in the wilderness. Because you know that's also where you find God's preacher. God's preacher is an outcast too. He's an outcast from religion. They, they don't want him around. They don't want him there with them. So he's out there in the wilderness preaching. You know, If you want to hear John the Baptist preach, you couldn't go to the temple, could you? He wasn't welcome there. He had to go out to the wilderness. For a long time, if you wanted to hear the sweet psalmist of Israel, he wasn't in the palace. If he was up there, Saul would have run him through, wouldn't he, with the spear. For many years, David was out there in the wilderness. If you want to hear from David, you got to go to the wilderness. Same thing's true of Elijah, uh, Elisha, Ezekiel. They were all out there in the wilderness. So we don't necessarily like being in the wilderness that way. But that's where you're going to find a message from God for your soul. And that's where God hears prayer. For somebody that's an outcast. They don't have anybody else. They don't have anybody else to cry to. They have anybody else to help them. They don't have anybody else to provide for them. That's who God saves. And that's who God hears pray. All right, number two. God hears the prayers of the poor and the needy. Verse 15. And the water was spent in the bottle. She cast the child under one of the shrubs. And she went and sat her down over against him a good way off as it were a bow shot. For she said, Let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lift up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad. And the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What, what aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Now Hagar and Ishmael are in a bad fix. You mothers, you try to imagine this. That it's so bad, you put your child over under some bush somewhere to get whatever little shade you can get in the desert. And you go off a bow shot and turn your back to him because you don't want to see him die. I mean, this is tough business right here. I mean, this is hard, hard, hard trial. And there Hagar is. She's crying. I don't know necessarily. I, I kind of assume she's crying to the Lord, but it says here she's crying. Well, you know why she's crying? 
the last of her hoard resources is gone. The last ways that she thinks that she can provide for herself and for her son is gone. She's empty. She didn't cry. She didn't cry unto the Lord. She didn't cry at all until her water bottle was empty. And she had nothing. Now you and I are the very same way. Nobody will ever cry to the Lord and ask for mercy as long as we think we've got something of our own that will help save us. We'll never ask for grace. We'll never ask God to save us all by himself as long as we think there's some merit in us. You know, really, the only things we truly pray about are things that we know we're helpless if we think we've got some control, we think we can manipulate the outcome in some way, that's not truly praying. It's when you're truly helpless and you can't do anything to affect the situation. That's when we pray. We don't cry to the Lord for mercy until we see our guilt. We don't cry to the Lord for grace until we see, oh, Everything I've been trying to do to please God is sin. And the wages of sin is death. So I'm, I have to have grace. That's the only time we'll ever cry for grace. We'll never cry to God and ask him to forgive our sins as long as we think we've got some little bit of righteousness. But when we see all we are is sin, then, we're empty. We're empty of any righteousness. We're empty of anything that, that would, would attract us to God. That's when we'll pray and ask God to forgive us. We don't cry unto the Lord until he teaches us we don't have anything he requires. We've got to ask the Lord to give us what he requires. He will never cry until we do, until we see we're empty. We're not going to cry to the Lord and ask him to give us life until we see we're dead. We don't cry to the, to the Lord until it just, there's no other option. See, we have to be brought to the end of ourselves where there's no other option. Brother Henry always used to use the term shut up to Christ. That's what he means. When you're shut up to Christ, you don't have any other option. Then you'll cry. Then you'll cry unto the Lord. And when you cry that way, the Lord answers. The Lord answers those who are poor and needy with mercy grace and forgiveness and life God hears the prayers of the people that he saves that's his children how does he describe the people he saves they're poor and needy they can't save themselves and nobody else can save them either but God will God saves them and when all hope in herself was gone then Hagar cried to the Lord and he showed her a well of water. Verse 19. And God opened her eyes. And she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the bottle with water. And gave the lad drink. Now you see this. The well was there all along wasn't it? <laughs> she just didn't see it. She didn't see it. Until God opened her eyes and showed her. The well of water. And when he showed her the well. Boy she went to it. Nobody had a, had a beggar to go to it. Did no, she knew what it was for. She went to it and she realized, oh, there's more than enough water here for me and Ishmael. Now, that's a picture of a sinner here in the gospel. I can identify with this. Here, here in the gospel, hearing 
of the water of life. Hearing of this well of water. This, this, for years and years and years and years. And when a sinner finally realized, even though they've been hearing the gospel, they finally realize, the Lord finally makes it dawn on them that there's no hope in anything I do. There's no hope in anything about me. When the Lord brings us to the point we're completely helpless, that's when we cry to the Lord and the Lord reveals His Son to us. And we think, wow, He was there all along. (laughs) In my case, somebody was preaching Him to me all along. He was there all along. But we couldn't see Him. We couldn't see our need of Him. We couldn't see Him. We couldn't believe Him. We couldn't love Him. All but when the Lord, by His Spirit, is pleased to reveal His Son to us. Nobody has to beg us to make a decision. Nobody has to beg us to go to Christ. If the Spirit will reveal Christ to you, you'll go running to Him. And when you get there, you know what you're going to find? He's everything I need. There's not one thing like Him. He's everything that I need. And notice here too, this is important, how helpless Hagar was. But that's what made her an object of mercy. She was empty of any resources. She was empty of any strength. She was just given up to sit there and die. If she had any strength to keep walking, she'd have kept walking. She didn't have any more strength left in her. And the Lord came to her when she was so helpless. And I love this. The Lord didn't say, now Hagar, if you'll take the first step, then I'll do the rest. He didn't say, now Hagar, if you'll walk about another mile, you'll find a well of water. He didn't say that, did he? He came to her and said, Hagar, I'm going to do everything for you. I heard you, and I will. I've heard you, and I will make of your son a great nation. And that is the very way the Lord saves sinners. I tell you, if you would be saved... If, if you have some sense in your mind that you're lost, that you don't know Christ, I tell you the thing to do. Pray and ask the Lord to do all the saving for you because you can't do any of it yourself. That's the people that God saves. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to ever ask the Lord for mercy. Don't be afraid to ask Him for forgiveness. The Lord tells Hagar something else here we need to hear. The Lord told her, fear not. Fear not. Here you are helpless, you're giving up, you're ready to die. And the Lord says, fear not. I know you're full of sin. I am too. We're full of sin. There's, There's nothing in us beautiful at all. But don't let your sin, your failure, your wickedness, your de- how defiled of the sin you are, make you so full of fear that you won't ask God for mercy. Don't think you've got to clean up a little bit first and then ask God for mercy. No, don't fear. Don't fear. Call on God for mercy. Now listen to me. Your sin is not what's stopping God from saving you. Your sin is not what's making God not hear your prayer. Your righteousness will stop God from hearing your prayer. God's not going to save you as long as you have any righteousness of your own, but never your sin. Now be ashamed of our sin, but our sin's never the reason God won't hear us. Actually, it's our sin 
that makes us objects of mercy. The Lord hears the prayers of real sinners. Now let's just get let's just get genuine here. I don't want to have a a false religious veneer, you know. You know how how we are. We say, well, what a, what a sinner I am, and all the time you're trying to make yourself look good. The Lord hears the prayers of real sinners. Then let's admit, honestly, who and what we are before God and call out to God and beg for mercy. The Lord hears the prayer of people who are in real need. Then quit trying to solve the problem yourself. Quit trying to solve the problem of your sin yourself and in your need, in your utter helplessness, Ask God to reveal His Son to you. Ask Him to give you faith in Christ. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to forgive you because you're a real sinner who needs forgiveness, who needs a Savior. Ask the Lord for mercy because you're guilty. What you deserve is God's wrath, but ask Him for mercy. Here's something I... I don't want to say this selfishly, but I wish y'all pray... And ask the Lord that he give your pastor a message for your heart. For your heart. God answers those kinds of prayers. He answers the prayers of the poor and needy. All right, here's the third thing. God answers prayer for Christ's sake. Same reason he saves his people. For Christ's sake. Verse 18, the Lord says, Arise, lift up the lad. And hold him in thine hand, for I'll make him a great nation. Now you know, the Lord didn't hear the cry of Hagar and the cry of Ishmael and save them for their sakes. He didn't hear Hagar's cry. He didn't hear Ishmael's cry because, you know, they're so pitiful, they're so notable or whatever. The Lord heard their prayer. He heard their cry. And he saved them alive in that wilderness for Abraham's sake. And I'll show you that. Look back a few pages, Genesis chapter 17. This is some years before this, probably 16, 17 years before Hagar finds herself out there in the, in the desert. Verse 18 of Genesis chapter 17. And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. And thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I'll establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I've heard thee. Behold, I've blessed him. And I'll make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he begat and I'll make him a great nation. Now that's God's promise to Abraham. But his son Ishmael, he's going to make a nation out of Israel. Twelve princes are going to come from him. Well, some years later, Hagar and Ishmael find themselves out in the wilderness with no hope. They just don't see any way out of this thing. The only thing Hagar can see to do is just sit here and die. And the Lord heard their cry for Abraham's sake. The Lord heard their cry. And he saved them alive. He didn't let them die out there in the wilderness because the Lord promised Abraham that he'd make a great nation out of Ishmael. 
And he's going to do it. Here's one thing you can bank on. God's going to keep his promise. God made this promise to Abraham and he kept it. He heard their cry. He saved them for Abraham's sake. Because of the promise that he made to Abraham. Now I bet you you see the picture here, don't you? You know why the Lord answers the prayers of his people? It's not because we're so special. It's not because we got all of our doctrinal ducks in a row. The Lord hears the prayers of his people for Christ's sake. The Lord answers the prayers of his people and he saves them. Gives them spiritual life for the very same reason. It's for Christ's sake. See, we don't deserve to be heard, do we? But Christ our Savior does. We don't deserve eternal life. We don't deserve righteousness. We don't deserve any blessing from God. But Christ does. And the Father accepts us for Christ's sake. Not because of our merit, but because of Christ's. And when God saves one of his elect, he, he very closely follows this picture right here with all of his people. He's going to bring them to the end of themselves. Just like he did Hagar and Ishmael. He's going to make it where they've got no hope but God. He's going to make it before God saves us. He's going to make us real miserable. He's going to make it where we, we've got no hope in ourselves. And we're going to be afraid. We're going to make, he's going to make us see, I deserve to die. I'm getting ready to die. And I'm on the very brink of hell. And if God pushed me in, he'd be right to do it. Then and only then will we cry out to God for mercy. And the Lord answers the prayers of his people. And he saves them. He's merciful to them for Christ's sake. See, the father made a promise to his son a long time ago. Before God created anything. When the only, only God existed. And the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit, they entered into the eternal covenant of grace. And in that covenant, the father made a promise to his son. He chose a people to save and he gave them to his son. He told his son, you become flesh. You obey the law for them. You obey the law perfectly for them. You give them a righteousness that they can't earn. You obey the law for them. And you suffer and die. You make yourself, you make your soul an offering for sin. And shed your blood to put their sin away. And I'll accept them. The Spirit said, I'll go give them life. I'll go give them faith in Christ. And the, in the fullness of time, the Father... Brings that, that one of his elect right to the very end of themselves. And when they think they're going down for the last time. And they cry out for mercy. The Lord hears their prayer for Christ's sake. And he saves them. He delivers them from going down into the pit for Christ's sake. Because he promised his son he would. See the son did everything he promised his father that he would do in the covenant of grace didn't he? He, he did become flesh. He was made flesh. He did obey God's law perfectly. He obeyed, obeyed the law so well, he magnified it. He honored it and he magnified it. And then he traded his perfect righteousness for the sin of his people. And he put their sin, he sacrificed himself to pay for that sin. And the father said, it's enough. I'm pleased. The payment has been made. 
There's no more debt. The justice of God will not allow him to damn anyone for whom Christ died. So instead of, instead of damning them, he gives them life. Ultimately, he'll glorify them, and he's all doing it for Christ's sake. Not because we deserve it, but because Christ earned it as our substitute. And I tell you, if you would pray and have your prayer heard and answered by the Lord, ask God to be merciful to you for Christ's sake. Because he paid a debt you could never pay. Lord, be merciful to me because you punished my sin and my substitute. The Lord answers that kind of prayer. It's for Christ's sake. Not for my sake, but for Christ's sake. And then here's the last thing. God answers prayer that's according to his will. And he saves his people according to his will. Again, verse 18, he says, Arise, lift up the lad and hold him in thine hand. For I'll make him a great nation. Now the Lord had revealed this to Abraham. And he also had revealed it to Hagar earlier. This is God's will and purpose. He's going to make a nation. A great nation. Out of Ishmael. And the Lord worked it out. So Hagar thought. She and her son are going to die. And the Lord never is going to make a nation out of this boy. Because he's going to die and I am too. And she cried out to the Lord. And she asked the Lord for what she needed. She asked the Lord for what she wanted. See, here's what happened. She prayed, absolutely, she prayed. But the Lord made it. He's put her in a situation where she prayed according to the Lord's will. That he made her pray for what was already the Lord's will. Hagar prayed, and God gave her what he already promised. (laughs) See, the Lord answers that kind of prayer. And if you would plead with God, don't make bargains with God. If you would plead with God, my dad used to call it arguing with God. If you'd argue with God, plead His will. Plead His revealed will. Plead His word. Now, I don't know what the, what the will of the Lord is in most things. In almost anything, really. Do I know what the Lord's will is? You know, and, and, Rightfully so. There are things that that Scripture calls the secret things. Well, the secret things belong to the Lord, not to us. So, you know, in those matters, maybe it is a secret thing. We don't know what the Lord's will is in this. My advice is pray for what's on your heart. Ask the Lord for what's on your heart. And then pray, Lord, thy will be done. It would just be a mighty good idea to ask the Lord, make me pray according to your will. Not my will, but thy will. And you know, there's going to be cases that the Lord will answer that prayer. And he'll give us a heart to pray for God's will against the will of the flesh. I'll give you an example. This has been repeated a number of times that I know of. The Lord may bring us, or he may bring one of our loved ones to such a low and painful, diseased, sick place that instead of praying, Lord, heal my loved one, that we pray, Lord, take them all. Now that's against the will of this flesh, isn't it? That's against the will of this flesh. But you know what? That's praying according to the Lord's will. In John 17, 
in our Lord's great high priestly prayer, he said, Father, I will that all those whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. Now, if I'm constantly praying, Lord, heal, heal my loved one, raise, heal me, raise me up. Heal. There's going to come a point I'm praying against the Lord's will in there. Could be the Lord will put it in my heart to pray according to the Lord's will. Lord, take your child home. Please deliver him from this. He's going to have to make me awful miserable to do it, but Lord, deliver him from this. Take him home to be with you. It could be the Lord will work those circumstances like that for us, that we'll pray according to the Lord's will. Now, I don't have an example like that for everything. But there are a few things I do know what the Lord's will is. I know this. I know it's the Lord's will to save sinners. I know that. And here's what I can pray. Lord, save me because I'm a sinner. That's praying according to the Lord's will, isn't it? I know this. It is God's will in everything that he does to glorify his son, especially in the salvation of his people. God has arranged the salvation of his people so Christ gets all of the glory. Well, then here's what I could pray. Lord, save me in a way that Christ gets all the glory and I get none of it. Lord, save me by the doing and dying of Christ the Savior without any of my works. Oh, Lord, you sure would get glory to yourself if you'd save someone as wretched and vile as me. I mean, you talk about a lost cause. Or if you'd save me, oh my, you get glory to yourself. That's praying according to the Lord's will. That his son be glorified. And like I say, I don't, I don't have any idea what the Lord is going to be pleased to do in almost any area. But I do know a few precious promises of our God. And remember, just like Abraham, God always keeps his promise. Well, if you'd plead with God, ask God to do what he already promised he'd do. He's going to answer that prayer. In every trial that comes our way, we always and we should pray, Lord, deliver me. We have to ask the Lord to deliver us. He's the only one that can. But you know, the Lord hadn't promised to deliver us from every trial, has he? But he did promise to give grace sufficient for every trial. Then I can pray, Lord, give me grace sufficient to endure this thing. To endure this thing, trust in Christ the whole way. I do know this. Our God has promised, I will never, no never, leave nor forsake my people. And this is one of my great fears, that God leave me alone. That he leave me to myself and the damage that I would cause. This is my prayer. Lord, don't leave me alone now. Oh, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your grace. I thank you that you've revealed your son to me. I thank you that how you've brought us together and how, oh, God, thank you that you give me faith to know you and trust you. I thank you how you've led me every step of the way. Most of you, I guess, know our daughter, Savannah and son Clark are expecting their first child. We've been with them the last couple of days. 
and the things that are on their mind and the worries that are on their heart are the very same worries me and Janet had when she was pregnant. And we talked to them about that. Well, the Lord's not going to leave you alone. I mean, <laughs> how me and Janet got from there to here, <laughs> I, mean, I just... We're a testament to this. The Lord will provide. He will not leave you alone. Now, Lord, you haven't left us alone all this time. Don't leave me alone now. Lord, you've guided me every step of the way. Don't leave me to my own devices now. Lord, be with me. Lord, guide me, lead me, comfort my heart with your presence. Show me the way that I could go. The Lord will answer those prayers. Because that's praying according to what God already promised he'd do. And God's going to keep his promises. And I know prayer, yeah, we, we overcomplicate. The reason it's hard for us sometimes is, is we overcomplicate it. But maybe we keep those four things in mind. We might find it a little easier uh, to pray. I, I hope so. I hope that will be a blessing to you. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, how we thank you for your word. How we thank you for this time you've given us to look into your word and see Christ our Savior. And Father, how I pray that you would bend our will to yours. And that you'd cause us to pray less selfishly and more for thy will. More for thy glory. Lord, we do ask as you've taught us, give us this day our daily bread. But, oh, Lord, how we pray that in this dark, dark day that you would reveal to us, to our loved ones, to this community, the redemptive glory of Christ our Savior and cause us to run to him. Father, it's in, in his name, for his glory, we ask these things and we give thanks. Amen. All right, Sean.